Well, how are we doing this morning? Good. I hear it. I hear it. Well, I'm, I'm Adrian, one of the, the teaching pastors at, uh, at Alpine Church, and I have the pleasure of continuing this sermon series with you on the Jesus way, right? This series where we've been looking at what we've called the, uh, the six antitheses of, uh, of Jesus' message uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And, and what Jesus was doing was he was correcting error, right? He was correcting kind of misinterpretations. And, and the fact that Jesus was doing this was important because kind of what we believe about God's truth affects our relationship with God. And, and it also affects our relationship with people. And, and Jesus knew this, and, and this is why Jesus was correcting some of these misunderstandings about God's truth with Israel in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've gone through several, several of these, and, and I've got the, the pleasure of, of doing number three with you this morning, right? A man can divorce, and what Jesus would say is, be selfless in marriage. And so we've titled this, this message, Saving Your Marriage. Now, before we jump into this, I, I just want to make sure you understand that, um, that we serve a, a loving and forgiving God, right? We serve a God who is gracious, who is merciful, and, and the fact is, is that we all fall short of God's glory. And what I mean by that is that we all make mistakes, we all, um, we all sin against God. And I know that this topic of marriage is, is a challenging one because in some way or another, a lot of us have all been affected by, likely by divorce. Either uh, people that we know that have been divorced, being children in a family that was divorced, or maybe even having been divorced ourselves. And one of the things I want you to understand, again, that God is forgiving, God is gracious, God is merciful, right? Um, but the one thing that God hasn't enabled us to do is actually go back in time and change bad decision, right? Or change a sinful decision. And so as we go through this today, uh, rather than focusing on a mistake that we've made in the past, right? Rather than focusing on something from the past, I want us to focus on understanding God's truth, in his word today about marriage and divorce and applying that truth as we move forward from today. All right? We, have, we agreed that that's how we'll do it because, again, I know it, this may be a little sensitive because I, I'm not going to walk on eggshells necessarily about what I believe is in God's word on this topic. But we can't change the past, but we can change the way we make decisions in the future. So with that said, let's go ahead and kind of jump in and, and look at what Jesus was, was telling the, the Israelites, the, the correction he was making in their misunderstanding. And we'll see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. It says this, You have heard the law that says, and this is Jesus speaking, You've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that, a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Now, 
as we look at these passages today, you're, you're going to notice that they're, they're all kind of tailored toward, they're, they're speaking about men divorcing their wives. And, and there's a good reason for this because culturally at this time, it was the men who were divorcing their wives. And, and many would actually say that, that wives did not have the right to divorce their husbands in this culture and in this time. Now today, that's, our culture is a little bit different. Today, a, a, a woman can go get a divorce uh, just like a man can. And so I believe the faithful way to look at these passages today when they're speaking about men not divorcing their wives is, is, is actually speaking to us about us not divorcing our wife or our husband. It's speaking to both men and women. And so Jesus goes and says, you know, you've heard that there's this, that you've heard it said that a law that says that you can divorce your wife. And Jesus is saying, if you do, but you cannot divorce your wife without it being a sin against God, other than for unfaithfulness, a sin against God and a sin against her. Right, so Jesus is, is correcting a misunderstanding. And, and this truth about divorce would have been difficult for these folks to swallow. Right? It would have been difficult for these men to swallow because it was culturally acceptable for them to divorce their wives. As a matter of fact, in the, the, the Jewish law, there was a provision that allowed men to divorce their wives. If you look in, in Deuteronomy chapter 21 and 24, it, it actually talks about men writing their wives a certificate of divorce if for some reason they found her to be displeasing and send her away, right? And, you know, and so Jesus is coming out. He's correcting this error. He's saying, no, divorce was never a part of God's plan with marriage. You've got it wrong. Well, a lot of the religious leaders had a, like a lot of difficulty with this. They, they struggled with this. And as you read throughout the Bible, Jesus had many conversations with these religious leaders concerning this divorce. And, and we actually have uh, another account in Mark. And you can tell that these religious leaders are, are bothered by what Jesus is teaching right? It, what they've been doing for, for thousands of years, what they've found to be culturally acceptable, uh, acceptable by their law, Jesus is telling them, it's wrong. You're wrong. And so some of these Jewish, these leaders, these religious leaders, they kind of come right out, right? They come right out and they ask Jesus a direct question in Mark. They, they say, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? And this is Jesus's answer to them. He says, Jesus answered them with a question. You know, that's one of those moments where when you're asking a question and then you get your answer from another question, you know, like it's, it's like somebody hinting to you, like, you should know this, right? If you just take a minute and think about it, you should know this. But this is how Jesus answers them. He says, what did Moses say in the law about divorce? You know, and these religious leaders, proud about what they know about the law, proud about what they believe they know about God's word, they pipe up and they say, well, he permitted it, right? He permitted it, they replied. He said, the man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession 
to your hard hearts. Only as a concession to your hard hearts. You see, Jesus has just explained why this provision in the Jewish law was was allowed for divorce. And he's telling them that the only reason why this is there is because of your hard hearts. Right? It's it's there because of your 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 stubbornness, your pride, your your disobedience to God's will. You see, in this time in the Jewish culture, what was going on when, when Moses added this to the law was that men were sending their wives away, right? They were abusing something within that, that law that they felt that they were justified, that if they found something displeasing with their wives, that they could just send them away. And see, and what would happen is the livelihood of these women was dependent upon their husband. And so this left women who were being sent away by their husbands destitute, right? Uh, uh, Most unable to provide for themselves. And, And here's the catch. By Jewish law, they were still considered to be married, and so that meant that, that they could not remarry uh, uh, in order to improve their, their, their living situations, right? They couldn't be, be remarried. They couldn't uh, have somebody else take care, another man take care of them. Because by Jewish law, they would be considered to be adulterers. Because they were still considered to be married. And so Moses, seeing the stubborn heart of, of these men who were, you know, using God's truth twisting it and bending it to, to, for their own desires, finding something displeasing in their wives, were sending these women away and putting them in terrible circumstances. And so Moses writes into the law that, that they, would, they could do this only if they wrote them a certificate of divorce, which would allow them to remarry and, and not be destitute and, and, and not be in trouble. You know, and it's... Um, so for many years, this is kind of the practice of, of Israel, right? For many years, this is what they practiced. And, and they actually believed that they were honoring God by practicing this. But Jesus bringing light. You know, I mean, the one thing that every culture, this isn't just Israel now. Think about this. Every culture has this challenge. Every culture and every nation on earth right, since the beginning of man, what have we done? We've, we've either rejected God's truth or we've twisted it to serve ourselves, right? And this is what was happening in Israel. They had twisted God's truth. And Jesus is, is bringing it to light that contrary to public opinion, contrary to what they had been doing for thousands of years, this was divorce was not God's plan for marriage, you see, marriage was God's idea. Marriage was God's idea, and it's about more than just a piece of paper. You know, today, we can, uh, when we decide that we want to get married, we, we go down to the, the courthouse or the city office, and we ask for a marriage certificate, right? We, we shill out a, a, I believe it costs some money, until I've been married for a while, so I so you, you shell out some money, they give you this certificate, you, you get somebody to marry you, with a pastor or, or a, you know, a public official, they fill out this paper for you, you sign it, they send it in, right? Now it's on record that you're married. 
And then what happens? You know, in our culture, very similar to, to Israel, nowadays it, it seems that as soon as we find something displeasing about our spouse, right? When, when marriage doesn't work out exactly how you planned, Right? When, when marriage doesn't flush out like you had envisioned that day, that beautiful day of your wedding, sometimes we get the idea that all we have to do is download a form now. You don't even actually have to go to a courthouse. You can just download a form, fill it out, send it in, and you can walk away. You know, there's this... Um, the song that I was listening to, it had such a good, had a good beat. Um, had a, it was a guy, like he was serenading a woman, right? A, a woman that he was falling in love with, that, that uh, you know, he wanted to spend time with. And, and I started listening to the lyrics. And, and he's, while he's serenading this woman, right, telling her how beautiful he is, how, how important she is to him, he, he, he comes with this line that says, it's, it's your turn. You see what I'm saying? He comes with this line that says it's your turn, and it really does kind of speak to sometimes to how our culture views marriage, right? That, that marriage is good as long as we feel the love in the marriage and we have the good feelings about it. But as soon as that's gone, it's just time to move on. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. Just like Israel just like Israel, we have the tendency to lose sight of why God instituted marriage. Why God instituted marriage. Now in Mark, Jesus actually goes on and begins to explain to these religious leaders who he's, he's kind of revealed this truth to, that, that divorce, God, marriage was, divorce was not part of marriage for God, Right? And he actually begins to explain what the intent of marriage was. And we see him going on in Mark chapter 10, verse 6. He says, But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. You see, what Jesus is doing is, is he's actually quoting from Genesis. He, he's going back to the beginning, the account of creation to define the purpose of marriage. You know, the, in Genesis where it, it, it talks about God creating all things, where he separated the land from the water, where he, he created life, the animals, plants, the stars, the moon, the sun, right? All these things that we marvel at today were created then. And then at the end of this creation, the pinnacle of God's creation, he created men, humankind, and he blessed them. And he says this in Genesis 1.28, he says, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. You see, Adam couldn't do this on his own. Eve couldn't do it on her own either. You see, this is why God took a rib from Adam and created Eve. Right? And, and, and brought Eve to Adam and tells him this in Genesis 2.24, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one 
flesh. You see, God designed this this special union between one man and one woman to fulfill the purpose he gave them here on earth. To multiply. Right? And it wasn't just to, to... The idea wasn't just for them to kind of rump around and and multiply like rabbits with with whoever. He wanted the multiplication. He wanted the the, the world to be governed by humankind, that humankind would grow as the foundation, out of the foundation of marriage between a man and a woman. And you know what's interesting I believe that it was out of this that that God did this for a reason, right? He did it so that out of this marriage, as the offspring, as, as our children began to populate the world, they would see God, God's love, God's grace out of that marriage so that that marriage would point to God himself. Not only with the children, but to the rest of the world. Look what it says in Malachi. It says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? What does God want out of that marriage? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord. See, there's no question that God created this union to be a, a blessing and a joy for us, to where we could experience intimacy, pleasure, that we can be united in physically, spiritually, emotionally, right, for, for a lifetime. But he also created this union so that the world would see God in it, so that our children would see God in it. You know, no one's, um, I don't think anybody would claim that marriage is easy, right? You've got two people coming together to be one. Sometimes, most of the time, different ideas of how something should be done. Different ideas of what the right way is to do something. Different feelings, different emotions, different personalities, I mean, it's, it's going to be challenging. Marriage is going to be challenging. And then you add kids on top of that, right? Kids that think they have their own idea of how things should be done. Kids that try to pit one parent against the other, right? Marriage is challenging. And I think that we all at times, and, and I think we, we come into marriage with this idea, with this hope that it's going to be blissful like the marriage day, right? That there's not going to be any problems. She's going to do exactly what I say, right? We have this blissful idea of marriage. And then when all of a sudden reality hits and we find that we're two people who are still growing, still maturing ourselves, and somehow we're supposed to figure out how to do that together, 
when we find out that it's challenging and we face difficulties, sometimes I think we have the tendency to think that divorce is the easy way out. But you see, divorce isn't the easy way out. It creates a ripple effect that, that disrupts the whole family. See, in the book of, of Malachi, after God declares that he hate marriage, hates marriage, he goes on to, to say this. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Now, I, I believe that, that obviously this is God speaking to those men that were sending their wives away. But I, I believe that this also speaks to the damage, the destruction that, that divorce has in, in the family, the way that divorce affects the family and our community. Matter of fact, you can actually, this can actually be translated to, to say this, to divorce your wife is to cover one's garments with violence. To divorce your spouse is to cover your clothes with violence. You know, when I think of that, it, it actually paints a, a picture in my mind, right? A, a picture of, of like, a, imagine yourself on a, on a yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, don't, uh, this might seem odd, but follow me. <laughs> imagine yourself on a beach, right? Like one of those high-end beach resorts, right, that have the, the white sand, and the crystal blue water. I've never been to one, but I've, I've seen, seen them in pictures, okay? And then imagine that you're wearing kind of that, that fancy high-end beach clothing, right? Not, not swimsuits, but you're wearing that light clothing that, that's like kind of thin and almost see-through, right? It, it allows the breeze to come through, looks real classy, kind of wrinkly, but, but real classy. And, and this is the clothes that you're wearing, right? An, an image of, of the blessing, kind of like the, the blessing that God intended marriage to be, right? The blessing and joy that he intended for marriage to be to us. But then when we find something displeasing, when we decide that it's, marriage is too difficult to, to work through, right? And, and we decide that we're going we're gonna to put our spouse away, all of a sudden, it's like there's a battle. There's a fight. Blows are being thrown, right? I mean, how else can you get violence on your clothes? To me, that picture's a battle, a war, a fight. And at the end of that, you're walking away, and those beautiful clothes that you had are now stained with blood and mud. A terrible picture of how something that God created to be a blessing and a, and a joy turns to pain. Turns to confusion. How something God created to be a blessing causes so much destruction. You know, I've got friends that 
uh, a lot of friends that, that have experienced divorce when they were children, right? Their parents going through a divorce. And it's interesting to me how many, not all of them, but, but many of them, how they felt like it was their fault, right? How the kid felt like they had done something wrong that, that caused their parents to split up, right? I mean, that, that speaks to confusion, that speaks to, to harm that the children experience, and they weren't even involved in the divorce other than having to witness it and experience it. You know, there's, there's people that have done research about the impact, the effects of divorce on our communities, right? And not just Christian researchers, but secular research as well. And, and just trying to figure out what, what does divorce do to a community or to a people, And here's some of the stuff they found out. Children of divorced parents have a higher risk of of experiencing developmental delays, struggling with emotional and behavioral well-being, low self-esteem, anxiety, and depression. The the spouses, the, the man and the woman going through the divorce, they found that they deal with increased stress, lower life satisfaction, depression, increased medical issues. Um, it's, it's said that, that work pro- productivity goes down by 40%, which, which makes sense about when you think about the stress of, of going through a divorce. And here, 50% of families that experience divorce um, experience poverty as a result of the divorce. You see, divorce covers our clothing with violence. Divorce is destructive. This is why God hates it. It takes something that God has joined together to be a a blessing, to be joyful, to be pleasurable, and tears it apart. And there's no question that the Bible does actually indicate that there are some justifiable reasons for divorce, all right? But I'm not going to get into any of them today. Um, and, and I don't say that lightly to dismiss whatever, you know, whatever your situation might be, because, again, I know divorce and the things that lead up to it, the circumstances that lead up to it can be terrible and heartbreaking, frustrating, can be a struggle, and are painful, and I don't mean to diminish that at all. But what I believe is, is it's easy for us to search out reasons to justify a divorce rather than what I believe God actually wants us to do, which is uh, the Jesus way within our marriages, even in the difficult times. See, the Jesus way teaches us to be selfless and fight for our marriages. To be selfish, selfless and fight for our marriages. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, we actually get a kind of a picture of what I believe um, fighting for our marriages looks like. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing 
of God's word. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I, when I look at this verse, when I look at this passage, I have to, I, I look at it through a filter of thousands of years of human error in history. Right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. The first thing that comes to my mind when, when, when I start looking at this verse is the ways that, that I believe it has been used incorrectly. The way it's been used to, to abuse people and elevate others over people, some, one group over another. Okay? And, and, but, but here's the truth. If this is how we come to this verse, if that's the mind frame we have when we come to this passage, we're going to miss what God is asking us to do. So I'm, I'm asking you to, to, you know, maybe this verse is a little distasteful to you for some reason. I'm asking you to put that aside and search for God's truth in what he's asking both men and women to do in this passage. Because I believe that by doing it, we are fighting for our marriages. And so what I'm going to do is, is kind of put together a list, right, of, of what I believe is being said in this. Wives, submit to your husbands as, as the church submits to Christ. Well, how does the church submit to Christ? Well, here are a couple of examples. In Colossians 3, verse 12, it says, Since God chose you to be his holy people he loves. This is, this is the church. God's holy people he loves, the church. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Philippians 2, 3 tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition, but to be humble and think of others as better than yourselves. Look not, look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In Matthew 20, 25 through 26, Jesus tells us, you know that the, the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, among my church, among my people, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the, the leader among you must be the servant. You see, I believe that this list describes what it means the church to submit to Christ, to be tender-hearted, to be merciful, to, to be filled with kindness, gentleness, patience, humility, and, and look to the interest of others. And I believe that this applies to our marriages. See, I believe that this is what that passage is, and it's just a small sample of what that means. So now, men, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So how did Christ love the church? Well, you see, I believe that Christ loved the church by being tenderhearted, by being merciful, by showing kindness when he, he touched the untouchable. Being patient, being gentle, when he showed us humility, 
when he looked at the interest of others. I mean, Jesus, think of his ministry here on earth. His whole ministry on earth was about the church that he would give his life for. And this is just a small sample of the image of Jesus, of what he did for the church. Philippians 2.8 says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Do you see what God is asking us to do? Both men and women. You see, we can, we can get into a conversation uh, uh, about, um, about roles later on. Because if you don't understand this, your conversation about roles in marriage is going to go nowhere. You've got to understand this before you have a conversation about roles in a marriage. You see, this is how I believe we save our marriages. This is how we fight for our marriages. Right? When, when our marriage doesn't turn out like we expected it to turn out. When we face challenges in our marriages, this is how we fight for them. We have to be merciful, tender-hearted, show kindness, even when it's unfair. Gentleness, humility. Galatians 2.20 says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in the earthly body, in, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. You see, the one thing I love is that even though we would all admit that marriage is difficult, God promises to empower us to glorify him in our life. Right? When we put our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, he's saying that he gives us a new life. He empowers us to honor him with our lives. And so that means that he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to honor him in our marriages, even in the tough times, even in the difficult times, the times that aren't fair. You see, the whole time, when we're humble enough to follow God, he's transforming us into the image of Christ. Divorce was never a part of God's plan for marriage. It shouldn't be a part of our plan either. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we exalt you. And Lord, we give you praise for, for who you are. A mighty, a loving, and a gracious God. And Father, I pray for all the marriages in this room, Lord, that when we hit those difficult moments, those moments where we feel that we're not being served right. Father, that instead of kind of dwelling on that and, and just getting consumed by that,
But Father, that we would remember what you did for us. Father, that we would remember to call on you. And Lord, my prayer is that you would empower us to honor you in our marriages for your glory. And Lord, that, that, that you would be seen in our marriages by our children and by the rest of the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.